Greetings from London. This is Mariam Sharif and welcome to the Style Moguls podcast. Today's guest I bumped into in Clubhouse and I just thought I have to have her on. So to help you with a Valentine's Day, this is a love episode. So I have Dr. Nazneen Moali and she is joining us from LA. Hello and welcome. Hi there. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited about this conversation. Oh, I absolutely um, loved. I actually had to step out of the conversation at Clubhouse, but let's talk about love in this episode because I always talk about style and success. And I just thought, you know, relationships and kind of cultivating and creating such deep and meaningful relationships actually comes from a loving place. And, you know, love, does love make the world go round? I think so. What do you think? Well, I think yes, and it starts with self-love, right? Yeah, that I self-love. feel I love your message, and you know, I grew up in a, a Iranian community, and yeah, so you're you're, that, you're Persian, aren't you? Yeah, yes, yeah. I'm Persian, and you know, in in our culture, is mostly about how it looks. So, but I think yeah. I help people to focus on changing how it feels. So yes, I guess uh, love is very important, but starting with self-love and really feeling it. Yeah, you know, this year, we, I mean, I, I'm not really a fan of Valentine's Day because I think that love should be like, you know, uh, throughout the whole year, but we do get bombarded with messages and, you know, going out for Valentine's Day. But this year, obviously, with we're, we're in lockdown, so we can't, you know, we had a message from the Prime Minister yesterday, no holidays, can't even go out anywhere, we're still in lockdown. So the feeling is a little bit subdued. And I thought, let's have this episode to kind of help those who are single and married or anybody in a relationship or wants to enter a relationship, how to kind of make that feeling and cultivate those feelings of love. So very different from last year, you know, we can't go out. How can we help uh, everybody who is at home and feeling down uh, about their own situation? How, how can we create a positive impact for the, the notion about love and finding love? Well, you know, I think this year is such a perfect opportunity to really lean into the meaning of uh, celebration of Valentine. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because I think, as you said, like previous years is about buying stuff and kind of like media kind of pushing us to purchase things, experiences to show our love. But right now, because we don't have uh, those things available to us, it's such a beautiful invitation for us to see how how we would like to feel. And uh, we don't need all of those fancy things of going to restaurants or buying things to makes us feel loved. I think yeah. it's a beautiful opportunity for uh, individuals and couples to kind of create this environment of love and pleasure at home. Yeah, I, I think it definitely, it's, we have to remove those kind of materialistic things or, you know, those notions about all this, about, you know, about gifts giving and I just think that it's such a wrong thing to do anyway because you know love is a feeling and an emotion that we have to cultivate it's not just about giving things but you know it's it's attached isn't it we're we're Valentine's Day is attached with this giving gifts and going out and celebrating you can celebrate love wherever you are in whatever situation so how about giving firstly our singles our people that are single how would you lift their mood uh we obviously have discussed you know self-love but how would you suggest that we can help the singles out there in finding love or being loving in this situation, in this kind of lockdown? Well, such a beautiful and important message that even when you are single, 
you can experience love. Uh, I know that there is this uh, kind of pressure outside that Valentine's is for couples and people who are in a relationship and uh, it's not for singles. But I think if it's a celebration of love and if you're focusing on uh, self-love, I think it's, it's a great opportunity to give yourself permission to lean into pleasure. And kind of exploring what pleasure means to you. Um, it could be sexual, it could be non-sexual. Kind of like making sure that you're not necessarily waiting for another person to show up in your life, to buy the thing you want, have them kind of show up and kind of doing things that you want to do, right? Like start doing it now, whether it's kind of like tapping to your erotic energy, whether it's like learning a new skill, whether it's like prepping a nice meal, Kind of thinking about how do I want to feel and how can I provide that feeling for myself? Because I think it's such a be- it's such a beautiful place to start, right? Kind of yeah. thinking about I'm gonna fill my cup first uh, prior to meeting someone. Because yeah. as we know that there is like I don't believe in saying like like someone like my other half, right? We are already complete and we have to work on making sure that we're uh, nurturing our own uh, pleasure. Yeah, and that notion comes from, I also think it comes from the movies and the media, you know, it's it's forced upon. And then, you know, I think uh, Tom Cruise said it in one of his movies and you complete me. And then it, it seemed so romantic at the time, but you actually take a look back and you think that that line destroyed us because every woman was felt like she was incomplete, you know, mm. it destroyed us all a little bit. But um, so, you know, it's, uh, I was reading something that, um, 2020 was a year for where married couples were at most kind of turbulent. You know, there was either a lot of uh, separations and divorces coming through. And then the, on the extreme case, you had lots of people who were getting pregnant. You know, it was like the extreme. What, what would you suggest for those who are, you know, married? And um, what would you do to kind of help them cultivate uh, love uh, in their relationship? Well, I think it's important to think about uh, how, uh, how how are we doing as a couple? And yeah. as you know, I'm a sex and relationship uh, therapist. And I wanted to say, in- yes, I wanted to say that. You, well, so you actually have a um, sexology podcast, which I thought was so interesting, and I love that. So, uh, as a, an expert, obviously in the subject, so especially from an Arab or an Asian background, for someone to discuss you know, sex uh, in a relationship or just sex as, uh, as, a, as a part of, of everyday life and how to kind of experience sex. Because there's one thing that you said in, sorry, in uh, Club Hacks, you said uh, sex doesn't just happen in the bedroom, it's outside the bedroom. I thought that was yeah. really interesting. Can you explain that? For sure. Thank you so much for saying all of those kind things, uh, because I think people, uh, 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 that's exactly what I wanted just to mention, that people kind of coming into my practice thinking about we're struggling sexually. But when we're talking about what's happening, there are relational issues that's happening. I tell people like foreplay starts outside the bedroom. When you're doing things for your partner that she or he cares about, and you're helping them and doing chores around the house, when you are remembering, when they're telling you their their list, it will get rewarded uh, in the bedroom because your partner feels closer to you. So I think that's such an important thing for a couple to think about and keep in mind that if we want to have passionate relationship, how am I showing up in my day-to-day interaction with my partner? 
yeah. if, if, if I give them uh, if they are a priority in in my life if I'm thinking about them what am I doing to show them love you know people talk about love languages and people always trying to convince that their love language is the right right way of experiencing love exactly for those who don't know about what love languages is can you just explain a little bit about that because that notion Sure, sure. So love languages are the way that we're experiencing love. Love is not uh, like we all not necessarily uh, experience love in one way. It's like a language that you're speaking. Some people experiencing love through a word of affirmation. So when their partner tells them loving word, that means a lot to them. And that's the main way that they experience love. Uh, the other form of uh, uh, kind of uh, one of the other love languages are uh, act of service. So I have people, couples coming in and saying that, you know, it, it doesn't matter what my partner say. If they're not showing me, that doesn't matter. So it's just a matter of what you're doing for your partner. The other form of love language is quality time. So uh, it's the time that you're carving out for your partner and having experiences with them. That's what's important for those people. Some people, kind of their love language is physical touch. It could be sexual, could be non-sexual, kind of like how, how much you're showing your affection through your touch. That's, that's the primary way that they experience love. And lastly, it's gift giving. Some people, it's really, really important for them that for you to give them the gift that's uh, thoughtful and kind of yeah. something that's really speak to them. And oftentimes couple have different love languages. And I think it's especially right now, it's important to think about the, the way I wanna show love to my uh, partner is the way that he or she wants to experience it. If their love language is word of affirmation and I'm giving them different gifts, it might not have the same impact if I'm telling them the, the words that they wanna hear. So I think it's a skill that people can practice. So I think the more, I guess the first step is to uh, kind of making sure you are um, giving love the way that your partner wants to receive it. I think that's my first advice. Yeah, have you seen uh, in 2020 a, a, a difference in behavior and, and couples coming into you or people coming into you? Is there a trend that you are seeing in, in their behavior and how, how COVID has impacted love uh, and relationships? Well, I've seen both part of it, as you said, like a positive and negative. I'll start with the positive. Yeah. <laughs> the positive side of it is I feel like we were distracted before. I know that people were coming in saying that I want to open up my relationship. They were asking if monogamy is for them because we were thinking about there was this world of opportunities out there and they were not paying attention. And at times they were not necessarily grateful of the primary relationship they had. But because of all the losses that we had, what I saw in my clients that many of them started valuing their primary relationship and seeing how the support, companionship and love that they're getting uh, from their partner is valuable. So I think that's been such an interesting shift that I noticed. As far as the kind of like challenges that we experience yeah. is that because of the stress level that many people experience, I've seen an increase in uh, sexual challenges and sexual dysfunctions. So many of my clients say that they have issues with uh, experiencing orgasm, other kind of challenges in the so bedroom. The intimacy, has it, it's reduced. Yeah, and I think like it's just it's more about like it seems like in 2020 uh, 20 and 2021 it was more about connection 
So not necessarily performing certain acts, ask, uh, aspect of our uh, kind of sexuality, but really connecting with our partners, because uh, it's just not it's not necessarily uh, for being connected with your partner. It's not necessarily important to be able to do certain function. It's just a matter of showing up and being attuned to your partner. I do see a difference in the West, and you know maybe it's a cultural or religious thing. I do find that, you know, talking about the notion of sex and sex in a relationship and asking for what you want and, and you know, how, you, how it makes you feel kind of the glue that holds the, the, the relationship together sometimes. It shouldn't be the glue, but I find it's, it's a very important part of a relationship, which, uh, you know, I think as, a, as Asian uh, Arab backgrounds haven't really kind of been taught uh, to nurture that part of us as a woman even to express that um, sexuality, you know? So when it comes to the bedroom, it's so different because they don't know how or what. And as from a cultural and um, religious background, how do you deal with the subject of sex? Because uh, even the scholars talk about how it's so important. You know, we should talk about sex in a marriage and you know the fact that it, it is so important you know to fulfill each other's needs so if they're talking about it we should really understand this it's such a you know in, a big ingredient in our relationship and our marriage absolutely you know you what you talked about is a, a what i witnessed with many many successful successful smart women that i work with you know we in our backgrounds is similar for my background as well that uh, even at the best case no one talks about sex yeah. and in the culture as a way to protect young women the messages around sexuality is very negative Make sure that like no one is uh, touching you a certain way. Make sure that that you're not uh, exposing yourself a certain way. So we get all of these negative messaging, and when we get married, the assumption is as soon as you sign that paper, all of those negative beliefs will disappear. So yeah. of course it will not, right? Like you're stepping into this marriage with all of those stories and narrative uh, that you learned growing up. And it will be a really a tough learning curve for many women to own their sexuality because of how they relate to it for years and years. And they're not familiar with their own body and their erotic self. Um, so I think that's, that's such a common challenge that many women have. Uh, my hope is for future generation, we're talking to our daughters and sons about sex, at least in a neutral way giving yeah. them a, a proper education. But I think even right now, if your listeners are adults, women, uh, we can reclaim our sexuality with kind of like identifying some of those stories and kind of seeing if they're serving us or not and kind of trying to relate differently with our sexuality. Yeah, um, I definitely think that with age and with time, you kind of, because the more you kind of get to know who you are as a person, um, the way that you, you know, your values and what you stand for, I think you become quite um, uh, kind of confident in who you are. And that confidence also then translates in the bedroom. It's like, you know, it's unfortunately we not, we haven't been taught that, uh, you know, at a young age, but what else can we do to kind of help younger women or women that are gonna you know uh, that are looking to get married and you no know, because some might not have any experience of it you know how do you educate someone I mean an education we can find everything on google but you know when you said that the practicality of of a marriage and, and living with somebody you know and just having to share your your bed with 
somebody <laughs> so it's you know someone snoring in your ear and you know it's sometimes it's not it's not exactly a bed of roses is it well absolutely not and i think you're you kind of like highlighted such an important piece kind of even practicality of marriage and intimacy um because of lack of information many young women as you said like start googling and they see at times this uh pornographic images they see these exaggerated uh kind of like uh romantic scenes that we see in in all of these series and movies that we're seeing i think the good first step is like having this conversation about that is not reality that's not how sex looks like for people I, i've been yeah. watching uh is it bridgerton what, what is it bridgerton oh my god i've watched that as well <laughs> yes yes i like the way that the duke <laughs> The Duke, oh my God, we could, go, we could make a whole episode about the Duke actually. Yes, I think speaking of unrealistic expectation, the the uh, kind of like clip around the wedding night, I haven't met any virgin <laughs> that things would go that smoothly for them. <laughs> so I think if we're Googling things and we're seeing things like that, you know, of course it's misinformation because when we are in the kind of those situations, we're feeling, oh God, this is not... Uh, how things working out for me, maybe I'm broken. So I think like having an accurate information is yeah. very, very important. Exactly what the movies have, have portrayed to us. And then, you know, you know, Walt Disney, it's completely, you know, I feel like the Cinderella syndrome that we have is completely, you know, kind of destroyed the, the you know, this generation of women because they're just, they're, it's, it's, it's not, it's not a, a Disney movie, you know, it's not. Mm. It's, not this real the practicalities and reality of life is not like that um but you have to make it your own you know you have to make mm. your own love story how did you get into doing your podcast because obviously coming from you know Persian background and talking you know your your podcast is called sexology what what, where, what inspired you to start your podcast well, it's an interesting story. So I am trained as a psychologist. So I have a PhD in psychology. And uh, one, one experience that I had that was transformative for me that I was in this uh, relationship and uh, out of blue sex become extremely painful. And even as someone that had a doctoral degree, I had, I didn't know what to, what to expect, what to do, what's happening. But so book and practicality is very different, right? Right. <laughs> You can't enter from a textbook. Right. It was like, okay, what's what's happening? And I started going to a sex therapist and she transformed my life. And I was like, okay, that's what I want to do for women. Uh, because of, as you said, like we don't have the information. It can be very scary when things are not going the way that's we're expecting. So uh, yeah. that's why I was like, okay, I want to get into the field of sex therapy and specifically sex education. And that's how I started my podcast. So I have two podcasts, one in English and one in Farsi. I, and saw, I saw on your Instagram that you're, you know, one of the clips was in Farsi. And I was like, oh, wow, because that's it. Because you have to obviously reach that audience. Mm -hmm. and, and I sometimes think that they're in more need. You know, right. you know, I feel like we should do something in, in Farsi. Well, I can't speak Farsi, but like, especially in our native languages. And, our, right. you know, and uh, because I think that it's more needed. You know, mm -hmm. is that why you started your absolutely yes yes because you're right that i feel like with my english mm -hmm. podcast i'm talking more about eroticism and psychology of sex mm -hmm. but with my farsi podcast i feel like people need accurate information 
So it's more about giving them the information and tools and things that they need to kind of like build their healthy sexuality. So yeah. I'm with you that I think it's important to uh, do some work in our native languages as well. How do you see love for the future? What is the future of love? <laughs> well, what I'm passionate about is helping women to reclaim their sexuality, really, really tapping into what makes them alive, because like pleasure is about our relationship with this kind of sense of aliveness. And I feel that many of us, especially this day and age, very successful women, we're going through our to do list and we're yeah. not living. So um, I'm creating this course to help women to claim their sexuality and really, uh, thank you, really teaching them to experience sexual desire. Yeah, yeah, I think it's I think it's needed. I think it's absolutely needed. I do find when I was styling and uh, you know, how a lot of corporate women become, you know, stuck in their head. They think mm -hmm. with their head, everything is to, you know, it's like, it, it's so practical, like, you know, I've got to do the job and they kind of forget about their femininity. And I have mm -hmm. also seen in the last few years that that trend has also changed. You know, mm -hmm. now women are expressing in it, even in corporate, in their corporate jobs, their dressing is slightly different. They, they, they know now that they don't have to dress and act like the man. They mm -hmm. actually can dress like a woman and do the man's work and do the woman's work. You know, I think that's a great difference. Do you think uh, our sense of style um, promotes attraction and love? What do you think about uh, styling and, and a way that woman actually looks and looks after herself? Well, I'm, I'm glad that that's a trend that you're seeing in your clients. And it makes me very excited because one thing that I tell people, even when it comes to uh, kind of their sexuality is like focus on what you like. From thinking about uh, kind of showing up, even when, when people say, you know, in, in bedroom, my partner didn't pay attention to my lingerie. I was like, is you're wearing it just for yourself. So it's the same with your clothing. I think it's important to wear something that makes you feel powerful and really uh, tap into an essence of who you are. And I, I love that you're seeing this. Uh, women are claiming their power through their clothing and now they're owning their feminine energy. I think that's that's very important and powerful. Yeah, it definitely is. You know, they say that um, uh, a way through a man's heart is through uh, his stomach. Do you think that's still true? <laughs> <laughs> I'm a horrible cook. <laughs> so I don't know about I only, that. I only had to cook after my marriage. And then, you know, that, well, you know, I, I became a good cook afterwards, actually. Yeah, yeah, I did become a good cook. But um, it definitely helps. But what do you, what do you what's that on that notion? That's quite an, an, an old saying, isn't it? What do you say on that? Is that true? Well, <laughs> well I'm biased, but I, I think uh, it's just a matter of like showing again, if your partner's uh, love language is uh, kind of like uh, doing act of service, then that can be a beautiful way of uh, showing like the act of service, doing preparing something that's yeah. uh, important for them and that's enjoyable for them. But I think even if you're not someone that's like you're, you're into cooking, like finding something that makes you feel good. And that's what I talk to women about. Even when we want to kind of connect with that, our internal power, I think it's just a matter of finding what gives you the sense of mastery and doing it. If you're a good cook, uh, do the cooking. If you're good at painting, do the painting. If you're a good public speaker, do that. So I think that doing, engaging the things that makes you feel good, makes you better in the relationship with your partner and also makes you feel better alone. 
Yeah, you're, that, that's such a good point because also about fulfilling our own needs. But I think when we look at love and, you know, especially when I was younger, it was all about, okay, what do I want in someone? What, what are they going to do for me? And, you know, I've over the times, over the years, I have learned that it's not, it's not about what they do for you. It's what you do for them. Mm-hmm. You know, it's more of an act of, um, of giving and nurturing and caring rather than, you know, what am I going to get from them? And I think so many younger, you know, I've seen, you know, younger couples and uh, in, uh, relationships, it's all about, okay, I want this from them. They want, they have to do this, this, and this. And so, okay, if you want that type of person, what are you going to do in the relationship? How are you going to show up? You know, are you that person that they're looking for as well? Or are you just the person that you expect somebody to come to you? Because you actually have to become the person that they're probably attracted to, right? I don't think that I want is a good thing in their relationship. It's like, what can, what can you offer, you know, and kind of create that understanding between each other, you know, and knowing how to understand and read your partner as well, you know, kind of sometimes people are married for years and years and still they can't understand the person and, and, you know, how they feel at certain moments in time. So I think but that changing somebody in a relationship, I just don't think that's a, you know, changing ourselves is one thing, but changing somebody else in a relationship, that seems like an impossible task. Of, it never works and never should be done. What do you think about that? I absolutely agree with you, Maya. That's uh, kind of like people coming into couples therapy saying that, can you fix him or fix her? <laughs> We're, um, we're here to fix the other person. But as you said, we have zero power around changing someone else. And even at times when people want to change, even when they, they are interested, the change will be hard. So I think it's important to think about uh, the only person that you can change and have a power over is you. You have zero power over the other partner, no matter what strategy that you're trying to implement. And I think part of it is coming from our childhoods and the kind of messaging we got from childhood that if if you love me, you do this. But I think it's important, as you said, kind of thinking about, A, uh, do you love this person as who they are? And what can help help you to lean into this relationship, knowing this this is a person that you're married to, this is a person that you're living with. Uh, so I think uh, that that's very important. The other piece is kind of thinking about what can I do in the relationship that I can change the stance, right? So the relationship is a dance, and the only way that you can change that dance is to change your own moves. So I think I that's, like that. that's something so that's dancing. Important. Yes, and we should we should keep it fun and exciting and in movement I think that's what I just got from actually making the relationship into a dance is that you know life is all about movement and so you're and it should be about emotional movement isn't it so that I like the way that you framed that it should be like a a dance you really you are you're meant to be flirting and dancing with your partner even after marriage you know sometimes uh, you know you have marriages after a few years and they kind of fall into this kind of slump and you know they they they're not um they don't want to go dancing (laughs) (laughs) and i think the part of it it goes back to what you were talking about like we watch in the disney movies that the the prince charming comes and people are getting married and happily ever after you never know what happily ever after looks like and it requires work and there are going to be times that you're not happy and you have to make the make it work so I think that's an awakening for many individuals when they can't get into their marriages thinking about, oh God, I have to do actual work and I have to continue dancing to make sure that this relationship is in the flow. 
men can never get this balance right of of mother-in-law mother uh, you know um wife you know especially wife and uh, their mother how can we ease this this is something that is forever a topic in uh, asian arab western cultures this is a topic that is made fun of forever but how can we make it happier because how can we balance and the man is probably just driving themselves crazy but how can how can we promote this how can a man deal with this challenge well you know i've seen the different version of it playing out uh, as you were talking about it, i was laughing because <laughs> My grandmother, she passed away, God bless her soul, when she was 95. And at the, oh, even okay. at her, <laughs> yeah, at her like time of passing, she would say, no one asked me if I, uh, if, uh, if I agreed to your parents' marriage or not. <laughs> <laughs> even like after like 60 years, she couldn't let it go. That <laughs> she wasn't completely on board with it. So I, I, again, I she was a lovely woman. So, but I've seen all different versions of this story unfolding yeah. for my clients. I think because family is such an important uh, part of our lives, and I think it's the strength of our communities, yeah. if there is a way that you can build a uh, distance but strong friendship with your mother-in-law, I think that's, that can be very powerful. Right, I'm thinking about not necessarily immersing and enmeshing in that relationship. Respectful, kind, but distance. I think that that can be can do wonders for the I relationship. Are, I think the women are quite accepting and they can deal with it. What advice is it for the men to deal with that balance and that you know that tug of war, as they say? You know, they're always going to be dragged from one to the other. What advice would you give to them? Well, I think my advice for them to have very firm boundaries of what are you sharing with your mom and what are you sharing with your wife? Uh, I think understandable, I understand that it's understandable that you love your uh, mother. She's a, I bet she's a wonderful person, but in order for you to remain uh, the kind of relationship healthy, it's important to not share personal intimate information uh, about your personal life uh, with, with your mother. So definitely always check in with your wife. Honey, how do you feel about me sharing this information with my mother? I think that can go such a long way. And kind of like practicing not sharing. If your mom asking something, saying that, mom, uh, I'd rather not talk about this or kind of changing yeah. the topic because I think setting boundaries are, can be very powerful. Yeah, and I think you've touched on something really kind of important. It's the, the oversharing. I think that when it comes to a husband and wife relationship uh, or any partnership, I think that's sacred and whatever is said between you and your partner is meant to be within between you two. And I think when it goes out the four walls, I think that's when you think, okay, it's a violation of trust or, you know, mm. I told you that in confidence. Why are you, why are you telling that to somebody? So I think that oversharing information, it definitely mm. happens a lot. So my last question, how shall we and what can we do to really help in our love life? What, as a single person or married, um, promote and cultivate love for 2021? Well, I have two different uh, different kind of suggestions. I think for the 
first suggestion for singles is I tell people like pleasure is like a garden, your secret garden that you're planting seeds. And mm -hmm. the seeds that works in your garden could be different than the seeds that works for me. So really paying attention, what are some of the seeds that you're uh, planting? Whether it's doing self-care activities, whether it's reading erotic uh, material, whether it's like cultivating friendships, hobbies. So I think really paying attention on what seeds you're planting in the, your pleasure garden. I think that's that's very important. For the couples, I think it's important to kind of think about what kind of a, a relationship you want to have. What's your a vision of the relationship that you have? What are some of the sexual values that you guys have as a couple? And what are some of the small actionable things that you guys can do as a couple to get closer to that? Because sometimes people coming in and they say, this is the goal that we have. This is uh, also our sexual value, but they're not doing anything about that. So I think identifying think, it's know, important. With, with children, you know, you know, when you've got, when you have children, I, you know, I see my friends that, you know, it's always about the children. It's never about uh, the couple themselves. You know, <laughs> it's, it's always about the, what do the kids want? What the kids first? And, they, you know, they forget about themselves, don't they? And that's when they kind of lose themselves in a relationship, you know, then in their marriage. Absolutely. And I think the key is to prioritize your partner. I know it's uh, counterintuitive, but one of the strongest relationships that I've seen in families are the when parents are prioritizing each other and their passion and love. Because when, when you are showing your love, when you're investing in the relationship, it's healthy for your children as well. They see their parents love each other. They respect each other. So they will grow up in a better uh, environment as well. So when men work, you know, at their jobs and their, you know, in their business or in their jobs, they, and then they put their heart, their effort into it. They put their money into it. But when it comes to a relationship or marriage, I also feel, would you agree that I, I feel that it's like work? You know, you have to put the work into the marriage for it to kind of bear fruit, like you said. I think it has to, if you want to see rewards in anything, you have to put effort into it. You have to put time into it. You have to put energy into it. What, what, do, you, what do you say to that? Absolutely. Because I feel that it's like anything else. That's something that you're depositing uh, energy in this relationship bank. Uh, people talk about how things are exciting at the beginning of the relationship, but even as far as neurochemistry of our brain, we are flooded with all of those feeling good hormones. So if you want to have more of a connected, uh, exciting experience with your partner in a committed relationship, you have to invest in it. And I think that's, that's such an important uh, message that you share with your listeners that it's similar to, in a sense, to work. If you want to have a successful career, you have to make commitment to do the right thing. Yes, absolutely. You know, I, I, I love love. I, oh. I love people being in love. I, I, I think that everybody should be in love or in love with themselves or in a relationship. I think when somebody's in love, they, they see things positively. They, they have energy. They have excitement. You know, when someone's in love, it's a different feeling. Mm -hmm. They feel differently. They behave differently. You know, somebody not in love will be shouting and screaming. You have somebody in love, they will speak, you know, loving words. You know, the, the whole mannerisms change. So I actually love, and I'm a, I am a total romantic. I want everybody to fall in love and be in love with themselves. That's foremost, first most. So any, any, um, any advice for, for people to be in love? 
Well, I, I, I agree with you that I think such a important part of being alive is like experiencing love, whether it's self-love or a love of love, loving relationships. So I think the uh, skill that I want to, uh, for people to cultivate is to practice mindfulness. So kind of really learning to see things with new eyes. Because sometimes when the couple's coming in and say like, you know, my partner is boring. I say your partner is not boring. Boredom resides in your mind. So mm -hmm. like really learning how to see things with new eyes and mindfulness can do that for us, can teach us to really show up for our life. Because as you said, when we are in a new loving relationship, we really, the excitement comes from seeing the partner with, uh, for the first time, the things that they're doing. So that, that's the key for having exciting, loving uh, experiences. So um, sex begins in the mind? Yes, yes. And, <laughs> and slowing down the mind. And slowing down the mind. You know, for those, they say men think about sex every 10 seconds. Is that true? And, you know, <laughs> how do they ever do their jobs? <laughs> <laughs> that hasn't been my experience from what I'm hearing from clients, especially if anything, our minds are so distracted that oh, the yeah. social media posts are in every 10 seconds but I yeah. think if we are slowing down our mind uh, we really will be paying attention to the seeds that we can plant in that garden yeah yeah thank you so much it was such a pleasure um, I hope that everybody finds love and love in themselves and have a loving 2021 thank you so much for being a guest uh, and uh, I, I, I shall hopefully see you on the next episode <laughs> yes I would thank love that thank you so much for inviting me and I wish you a loving valentine thank you so much <laughs> take care take care Bye.